0: Good morning, church. It is Sunday, July 26. Welcome to Ackland Avenue. We hope you feel loved and welcomed. And if you need anything, please seek one of our elders out. Uh, And we would love to connect and figure out how we can help. As we begin today, I'm going to be reading from a Holman Christian Standard Bible. I'm going to be reading Genesis chapter 29, starting in verse 15. Laban said to him, Just because you're my relative, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The older was named Leah, and the younger was named Rachel. Leah had ordinary eyes, but Rachel was shapely and beautiful. Jacob loved Rachel, so he answered Laban, I'll work for, work for you seven years for your younger daughter Rachel. Laban replied, Better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay with me. So Jacob worked seven years for Rachel, and they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, for my time is completed. I want to sleep with her. So Laban invited all the men of the place to a feast. That evening Laban took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob, and he slept with her. And Laban gave his slave Zilpha to his daughter Leah as her slave. When morning came, there was Leah. So he said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? Wasn't it for Rachel that I worked for you? Why have you deceived me? Laban answered, It's not custom in this place to give the younger daughter in marriage before the firstborn. Complete this week of wedding celebration, and we will also give you the younger one in return for working yet another seven years for me. And Jacob did just that. He finished a week of celebration, and Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. Bow with me. Lord God, I... I don't claim to grasp everything in the story. But I do see complicated things. And that there is not always a clear answer. I often refer to it as living in the gray. God, life is complicated. All of us are, are going through something different. Some of us are fearful of what's going to happen um, with, with school, what does that mean for their job, or how to take care of the kids. Some of us are concerned about our own jobs, whether we're going to be able to keep on working, or if we're going to be cut, or let go, or something worse. We've got family members, we've got loved ones that we haven't been able to connect with, that might be ill, that might be sick. There's fear, Lord God. All of this is real. We're all feeling something. We're all needing something. Lord, I pray that we are spending our time writing down, getting on our faces, being in our closets, talking to you, trying to figure out what's next and how we can Give you our burdens so that we can walk. Lord, I pray for your fulfillment. I pray for your healing. I pray for your love. I pray for your cleansing. I pray for your protection. God, as we read through the new, through the Bible, we hear stories that offer all those things, and we want to believe them. And we want to emulate the wisdom that we have learned. We want to be radiant with you. God, walk with us. Help us to walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for listening, for being present with us. pray this all in your name. Amen.
1: Feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord.
2: I'll be reading from Psalm 119, verses 129 through 136. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light, it gives understanding to the simple, I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Turn to me and have mercy on me, as you always do to those who love your name. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Redeem me from human oppression, that I may obey your precepts. Make your face shine on your servant and teach me your decrees. Streams of tears flow from my eyes, your law is not obeyed let's pray lord we come before you thankful for another week and for the blessings you have brought to us we ask for your guidance through troubles and hardships please direct not only our footsteps but those of our community and our leaders protect us from oppression corruption and sin help us to find peace and patience when both are lacking We ask these things in love and reverence, by your Son Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Good morning. This week we're going to take a break from our series that J.P. has been doing on healthy relationships. And I felt kind of drawn to a couple of verses in Mark. So we're going to start there in Mark chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, and a worse tear will result. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. Instead, new wine is poured into new wineskins. I was thinking back on our prayer retreat um, that Brian Sullenberger led, back in February, and it kind of struck me just how eerily appropriate that was in light of what we've seen in 2020. We talked at the retreat about faith in liminal spaces. I wasn't really familiar with that term at the time, uh, but liminal space refers to a time of transition and the way that pain and hurt can accompany us through a transformation. I think the Israelites in the wilderness or Jonah in the belly of the fish, the struggles that change us and that we usually don't appreciate uh, until after the fact for for the effect that they've had on our lives. One one quote I wrote in my notebook that weekend uh, was from Flannery O'Connor and she said, "'Sickness is more instructive than a long trip to Europe.'" So none of us had any idea Uh, at that retreat, how appropriate the subject matter would be. Uh, But I've been wondering this week, um, how have the last four months for us kind of been a time in liminal space? And I want to be careful not to romanticize this virus. I'm not going to talk about it as a gift, because I I don't see it as a gift. It's horrible, and the loss of life is tragic. But I am interested in how this is changing us. I live with three people and i look in the mirror and i i know that we've been affected by this in my house our passage from mark about new wine in old wineskins is something that we've heard all of our lives and i haven't always understood it i don't think uh, even on a surface level maybe my parents just didn't want to talk about wine a lot to me but you probably know but the idea is that new The new wine goes into new wineskin because as it ferments, the wine produces gas that stretches the wineskin. Old wineskins, after they've been stretched out, they get hardened, and they're no longer elastic and able to stretch. So you wouldn't put new wine in an old wineskin because it's already been hardened, and then it would burst. Most read this as Jesus responding to questioning from the Pharisees. They have been hardened like an old wine skin, and they're struggling to see the good news about the kingdom of God. Now I won't for a second suggest that the pandemic is bringing a change in in anything close to like what Jesus brought. Uh, But again, I know it's leaving its mark. For us, I wonder about the ways that we get hardened, how repetition and time have made it difficult for us to think of things differently. I really want this community to think about how we're being changed. I want to think about the way we've done church and the way we've done community and the ways that sometimes those things need to be rethought. I wonder how we've been hardened like an old wineskin, unable to think outside of our routine, and how that might keep us sometimes from God's will. JP mentioned a podcast to me a few weeks ago that had a preacher named Sky Jatani on it. He travels and, and talks to a lot of churches, and he was noticing uh, that there seems to be three responses that he's seeing from churches right now during the pandemic. Uh, one, there's churches who are kind of burying their head. They're pretending like nothing's going on, and they're just kind of putting their head down and moving forward uh, like nothing's going on. A second group of churches, they're just they're hanging on hoping for better health numbers, you know, doing their podcast, but just really, really anxious for the days to kind of get back to the way things have always been. But there's a third group that he points out that's actively using the disruption of the virus to consider how their common life could look different and maybe in some ways needs to look different. This made me think about some ways I really want us to pursue a new wineskin mentality. What are some things to rethink? What are some things that we're facing now and will be facing in the coming months that may require new consideration? And to be clear, I'm not suggesting that a new wineskin mentality will lead to wholesale change. Actually, maybe just the opposite. Rethinking a belief uh, doesn't necessarily mean moving away from something. I think a lot of times it can mean uh, that it adds depth to what you already believe. So what are some of the things that I'm I'm thinking about? First, I'm curious how our involvement with each other can expand. And by that, I, I don't just mean more Ackland events, but how can our relationships grow deeper, our shared mission of discipleship be more at the forefront of what we talk about? For a lot of us, Sunday has been when we've interacted, but since March, Sundays have largely been taken away. Were we any less the church when we could only gather on Zoom or through a podcast? What if we intentionally tried to become a community of people that value a driveway visit to a lonely friend in the same way we value an encouraging sermon? How do we begin to see Saturday afternoon as sacred in the same way we see Sunday? Are we wineskins that can accept something like that? Secondly, and this one I've been encouraged on lately, but how can we be better with hard conversations? How do we love one another through disagreement? How do we learn to listen and to give the benefit of the doubt to someone we think we already disagree with? Because November is coming, and we have some feelings about the election. I have feelings about the election. And the goal just can't be for us to avoid talking about it. But can we have a goal to be a community that practices listening in good faith? Can I assume the very best about the person I disagree with? Man, for me, that is nearly impossible if I don't already love that person. We're talking about race on Wednesday nights, and I know that has had its challenging moments. But you are the people that I need to engage with on this. I need to hear from you on race. I need to hear from the body of Christ on what it means to carry my cross, on what it means to be a better husband, on what it means to love my neighbor when I'm pretty sure my neighbor is voting for the wrong person. I need to encounter differing opinions in the flesh not online where there's no bond to offer protection. Lastly, and I implore you to pray and study and think about this, but I think about our weekly assembly. There are a lot of things that I had written in my calendar this year that never happened. One of those was uh, May 31st. I was supposed to wrap up our Sunday morning classes, our year of discernment, with a summary of what we discussed kind of leaving us the rest of the summer to pray and process where we went from here. Obviously, that didn't happen. In March, we were uncertain about how life on Zoom would go. And we knew there was already anxiety around the discernment process. Honestly, we worried with the added anxiety of COVID-19 that maybe it just wasn't the right time to push ahead. And I don't, I don't think I regret taking that break. Stepping back has been helpful for me to just kind of clear my head and then revisit the topic. But things haven't changed a lot and we may be here for a while. So I implore you to think on this. What has been our historical reasoning for prohibiting female voices in our worship hour? And do we see that as sufficient given the leadership and wisdom that women provide in partnership with men in our congregation in our congregation during the rest of the week, so what is our reasoning? We don't think like many in the history of the church, that women are inferior or somehow not full image bearers. There may be people somewhere who do think that, but I don't know any of us who think like that. Maybe a more current idea we don't find it problematic for women to work outside of the home or to have a position in business, with authority over men. Maybe that's uncomfortable to some, but based on the jobs I'm aware of in our body, uh, that's not our reasoning, I don't think. Further, the, the elders have sought out women with gifts and knowledge to give direction in community matters at Ackland for a long time, most recently with our medical team that helps us decide how and if we'll meet in person. So at Ackland, what is our reasoning? My wife and daughters pray in our house, and I hear in their prayers concerns that they might not express in casual conversation. But I've rarely heard my sisters at Ackland petition God in the way I hear at home. Listening to the Ackland podcast in my living room has allowed me to rethink worship and where I think that happens. Are the prayers I hear from Amy different than the prayers I hear from the men in our congregation? Are they less because of where they happen? Have we been any less the church since March because we haven't been in the building? Historically, I think the why, the reasoning at Ackland has been our best attempt to be obedient to the Bible. If 1 Corinthians 14 calls for the silence of women, then we'll have silence. And I appreciate that motivation. But that by itself may not be enough. And in fact, we may be missing out on the richness God intends for us. Because when I read 1 Corinthians 11, where women are praying and prophesying, when I read that a woman named Phoebe was a deacon in the church, when I read 1 Corinthians 12, that we should all desire the gifts distributed by the Holy Spirit, when I read that in Christ there's now neither Jew or Gentile, slave nor free, Male or female, we are all one in Christ. When I read those things, I think our attempt to obey Scripture should be more robust. We believe that all of our members bring gifts to our body. We believe that giftedness varies in type, that all of the members of the body have gifts to share. So, in September, we're going to re-engage this study on Wednesday nights. We specifically want to finish the outline we started last year. We feel like that needs to happen before suggesting any changes to the Sunday morning worship hour. But we want to begin now asking for full participation in public prayer during our Wednesday night Zoom gatherings, men and women. We want to begin to live into 1 Corinthians 14:26, where Paul says, when we gather, we should all bring a good word so the church can be built up. Now, know that women aren't going to be put on the spot for this. They'll be asked in private ahead of time if they're comfortable with it. But I ask that the women of the congregation consider offering this service to the body. I really pray that this church can have hearts that are fresh and renewed by Jesus. I pray that we can actively seek deeper relationships with one another, and that those relationships will allow us to encounter differences and learn to love like God has loved us. And I pray for the courage to rethink our long-held beliefs. How do we do all this in a pandemic when sometimes, honestly, it feels like we're just stumbling in the dark? I don't have all the answers, but I trust that if we're seeking these things together in community, that God is going to show us a way.
0: Please take a moment to, uh, to worship God and to prepare your hearts and minds uh, for communion.
1: Let's enter into our communion meditation together. For in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks to thee, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Lord, we gather together this morning as families as a community that is distanced, uh, whether we are in just small groups or we're together on Zoom, Lord, we we recognize that that we can't be together as a whole body and we miss it. And yet, Lord, we are, are thankful that we can gather much is in the way that you did with the disciples in the upper room and just remember uh, the sacrifice that you've made for us. Lord, I pray that you will be with us as we take of this this morning, that we will remember your body that was broken, that we will remember your blood that has washed us clean. Lord, always help us to remember the love Uh, that you have shown for us, the mercy that you have given us, and, and the grace that you freely offer us. It's through your son's name we pray. Amen.
4: Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dear God, thank you for this time that we've had to listen together as a family and we ask you to... Be with us through this new week. Help us to be a light to those in our community and in our workplaces and our families. We ask you to continue to be with those who are sick and shut in and help them to get what they need. Please be with us as a church family. We ask you to help us all to continue to try to grow spiritually, even as we're not together, and help us to reach out to each other throughout the week, and we're so thankful for your love. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
1: Good morning, everybody. It is nice to
5: imagine all of your smiling faces that I hope we'll get to see again one day soon. I want to start off today with our birthdays and then the ton of anniversaries that we celebrate this week in July. I want to start off by wishing Jacob Bauer a happy 7th birthday. Happy birthday, Jacob. Then uh, we want to start with Brian and Ryan Thornton, who celebrate 17 years on Sunday. Tim and Jackie Spivey celebrate 18 on Monday. Prentice and Trisha Ashford celebrate 8 on Tuesday, along with Brian and Lacey, who are celebrating 19 on Tuesday. And then on Friday, Paul and Amy Spivey are celebrating 21 years together. Congratulations to all you couples uh, who have made it this far together. Um, I also want to mention, mention a new feature that is going to be coming to the Ackland Avenue podcast feed. It is called Checking In With The Family. And J.P. wrote an email saying that earlier this week he checked in with Justin Myrick, who reveals that 900 Ackland Avenue still stands. He shares his discovery of a 160-year-old family letters. He explains why he only goes once daily to twice daily and gives advice on how to throw out the first pitch at a baseball game, which is important because baseball started again last week. The link for the podcast is in JP's email. And if you'd like to participate in an episode, uh, give him a holler. And even if you don't want to participate in an episode, give JP a holler. He likes to talk to people on the phone. Um, We do have uh, one relatively urgent prayer matter that uh, Nancy sent an email out about this week. Um, Her friend and um, beloved former church member Donna Herod um, has had to go into emergency surgery because of a tumor on her spine, um, and we want to continue to remember her and her prayers in our prayers as um, as she goes through this time, and we want to pray for for healing and that um, and that she recovers from this. You guys have a great week. Thanks.
0: You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is htp colon ackland.org. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.